Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm happy to have you here. So before we dive into today's topic, I just want to mention that I am getting over a little head cold. Uh, thankfully, it's not the coronavirus. I did get tested, and it came back negative. Um, but if you're used to tuning in to listen to the soft, sweet tone of my voice, if it's a bit nasally today, I do apologize. But what are we going to be discussing this week? I think it's a pretty interesting topic. I know everybody likes to talk about their favorite stock, uh, how their portfolio is doing, and the ups and downs each day of the market. So what we're going to discuss is why does the stock market go up? And especially in a year like 2020, that question can be very complex. So we'll get right into it. And if we just look back, you know, for a moment at what's happened so far this year, it's just incredible. I mean, think about it. We had a, a global pandemic that we're still living through with COVID-19. Our president was impeached. We had Brexit, okay, the UK leaving the EU. Uh, we even had a fracturing of the royal family with the prince leaving uh, the royal family over there. We had the Olympics get canceled. We had March Madness get canceled. Uh, we've had wildfires that are just tearing through the West Coast. We've had our usual hurricane season. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on here, guys. We've had riots across most of the major cities in America. Uh, so just so much going on that uh, seems all, in a sense, negative. And imagine if we could go back to last year and, and say I was like the perfect financial advisor with a crystal ball. And I said, okay, for Christmas this year, I'll tell all my clients just a little foreshadowing of what's going to go down in 2020. I think everybody would probably immediately call me up and say, hey, Bri, get me out of the markets. Sell everything. Let's short the market. Let's move into gold. You know, all sorts of panic measures that the average Joe out there would feel. Yet here we are, October 22nd of 2020, and the S&P 500 is not down, it is actually up 6.57%. So who would think that, that going into this year, all of this unprecedented uh, things would take place, yet the stock market would actually be doing quite well and, and not be in like a depression that many would anticipate having known just a few of these uh, incidents that I just listed. So let's talk about that. How can the economy and the world seem to just be going to, you know, hell in a handbasket, and then the stock market, who many people think of as a good benchmark, go in the opposite direction, actually be heading up? So let's start with uh, just a few of what I've narrowed down to four major factors within a rallying stock market. The first one would be the Fed, okay? So the Federal Reserve can play a very large role in the performance of the stock market. So the Fed, if you're not aware, is the central bank of the United States, okay? They control all what's called monetary policy. They are not a branch of the government. A lot of people get that confused. Uh, the Federal Reserve System has been in place since 1913 uh, with the Federal Reserve Act, and since that time has really overseen the functioning of the American economy uh, in small business and how the lending and banking system uh, operates as a whole. 
okay? And that's essentially what monetary policy is, okay? So once the, the markets started to go haywire, as the economy did, back in February or March of this year, when the coronavirus first really landed here stateside, the first thing that the, the Fed did was in March, they declared a number of emergency loans uh, to banks and governments, okay, in massive proportions. So what they did is they said, all right, to different governments, municipalities, state governments, we'll start giving you money uh, to, you know, banks out there so that they could continue to function with all of their customers around the country. We'll lend you money so that everybody can stay liquid and not have some sort of credit crunch. All right, that was back in March. Those were emergency loans. Then at about the same time, what they did is they slashed interest rates to almost 0%. All right, so the Fed's interest rate in 2019 hovered around 2.5%. Uh, instantly in March of this year, the Fed cut that to about 0%. What the interest rate is for the Fed is the ability for banks around the country to lend money to one another overnight. And when they cut the interest rate to zero, essentially what that happens is it creates a lot of cheap money uh, in that banks are able to acquire money uh, for almost nothing, and then also able to lend that money out at very low rates. And so what that does is that encourages the overall economy um, to essentially accelerate everything, knowing that they have more capital available. All right, so typically the Fed will lower interest rates when the economy is in kind of a downturn, uh, and they certainly did that in March, again, to flush the entire economy with more and more liquidity. Also, around that same time, okay, so they made emergency loans, they cut interest rates to create this quote-unquote cheap money. At the same time, they also began purchasing debt around the country uh, in the form of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, okay? So what that means is back, if we look at, um, you know, let's take February of this year, the Fed on their balance sheet, they had about $4 trillion of assets, they immediately began buying up all this debt around the country and ballooned their balance sheet to about $7 trillion today. Okay, so when they're buying debt, all right, they're again flooding the economy with capital. They're paying cash that they're injecting into the economy to take over this debt. So all three measures that I just ran through, again, that just added so much more money into the private sector uh, to kind of give the economy a shot in the arm, if you will. And then the result of that, uh, again, getting to kind of the stock market, not only have we helped businesses by giving them more cash on hand and very cheap cash, uh, but at the same token, when the Fed lowered interest rates so much, that affects everything, not just the ability to lend, but our ability to save and earn. So the 10-year treasury, again, today being October 22nd of 2020, the 10-year treasury is at 0.82%. So think, if I'm just a saver out there and I want my money to start accumulating and growing wealth, am I willing to take my hard-earned dollars, lock them up in an instrument for 10 years to then earn 0.82%? Most investors would be like, are you kidding me? That, that does not sound all that attractive. So then the alternative to fixed instruments like that would be to enter the stock market. Okay, so it's kind of incentivizing investors out there uh, to take their money out of fixed income and go in the stock market 
because, hey, where else can you try and earn a return right now? So those are all major, major monetary policies uh, that were taken by the Fed this year uh, that had a direct impact on the stock market. The next thing I want to talk about in respect to the stock market is tech, okay? In particular, big tech. So this is going to be your Amazons, Microsoft, Facebook, Netflix, now Zoom, uh, all these other enormous companies that make up the tech sector have been doing very well in, in this uh, down economy. All right. If we just look at the NASDAQ, okay, which is kind of the index that comprises most of the tech companies, the NASDAQ as of today is up 28% year to date. So we just talked about, you know, the S&P was up just over 6%, which we're all pretty happy with considering everything. And meanwhile, the NASDAQ is up 28%. So what happens is these enormous companies, take Amazon, for instance, or Apple, they essentially overweight the other indexes that are out there that make up the overall stock market. So someone will say, hey, looks like the stock market's done pretty darn good this year. When in reality, a lot of the stock market has not done very well, but technology, which has gotten so huge, has done well. And, and they're kind of accounting for a lot of this rally, if you will. Excuse me. <coughs> and then meanwhile, I just mentioned Apple. Let's take a closer look at them. I think they're a great case study. So Apple is a company that's now worth over $2 trillion. All right, think about that. Think about how much, you know, to the average Joe, $2 million bucks would be. And then $2 billion, I mean, that's almost unfathomable. Those are the richest people in the world. And now we have a company worth over $2 trillion. Uh, that, that just makes everything else kind of pale in comparison. Just to give a frame of reference there, Apple is now worth more than the entire Russell 2000 index combined. All right, that's an entire index of the stock market, which represents all of our small cap companies. If we added all of those up, they don't have the value of Apple, one single company. All right, so that's how, you know, a few of those can kind of overshadow the rest of the entire marketplace. The third thing that I want to allude to is going to be the individual investor. All right, now in 2020, in the modern era, it is very easy for pretty much anybody out there to become an investor. I don't want to say a qualified an investor, but they can become an investor. All right, I remember back when I was a kid and you know I had interest in some of this stuff and my parents would say, We'll never have enough money to go have a stockbroker or invest in a stock or uh, get into the markets. You know, they even thought that whatever they could scrounge up and put into an investment, the commission on that would probably be more than their actual investment. And it was true. I mean, that that's kind of the way that the world worked uh, back, you know, in the 90s, you know, before the new millennium. But we fast forward to today in 2020. And there are countless online platforms out there that have free trading, no commissions, no trade charges, no minimums, okay? So instead of saying, hey, I need $100,000 to be able to invest, now people can invest with 50 bucks, all right? So now you could have, 
you know, kids and people that don't even have steady jobs yet investing in the stock market in individual securities. And that can be, you know, further clarified by the fact right here that I'll read off pretty crazy statistic that 19.5% of all U.S. equity trade volume this year was done by individual investors, right? 19.5%. So that is a, a huge number. It's an all-time high uh, for just, you know, your average Joes out there that are making up such a huge impact on the actual stock market. And I think it's a combination of the ease of investing with these online platforms and also the fact that a lot of people are out of work right now or working from home and have a lot more time on their hands to maybe flip on to Fox Business or CNBC and say, hey, let me try and get in on this stock tip. And, you know, here we go, having a lot of new individual investors. And then last but not least, the fourth factor I want to reference is none other than President Trump. Okay, so I mentioned that the Fed is not a branch of the government that controls monetary policy. The government has what's called fiscal policy. Okay, and Trump being in an election year, uh, you know, has paid particular mind to the stock market. So before the coronavirus just, you know, crushed half the, the globe here, if, at least financially speaking, if not health wise, um, you know, Trump was able to point to both a very healthy economy and a very, very all time high, you know, stock market that was in tune with the overall health of our economy. So there was a lot that President Trump was able to champion leading up to 2020. Then all of a sudden the coronavirus hits, the world goes haywire, and what are some of the major factors that we could look at that typically were good but now not so good would be unemployment. All right, we had unprecedented, and I know we've all heard that word a thousand times, but we had unprecedented jobless claims. Our GDP, all right, our gross domestic product took a huge hit. So it's not like he can point to those factors and say, hey, look at how these are performing now that I'm up for election. But the stock market is perhaps a little bit easier to manipulate uh, with some of these factors I already mentioned. So he's able to still point to the stock market as you know just a tremendous uh, job done when he's running and campaigning uh, for a second term. So what did Trump do to the stock market? Well, if we look back to 2017, that's when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed. All right, massive tax reform, uh, by and large tax cuts for most individuals. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so massive tax cuts for, for individuals and corporations out there. And that led to what was called the Trump bump, all right, where the economy really rallied as a response and the stock market did as well. Then we have, you know, fiscal stimulus this year. Uh, in the form of a $2 trillion plus in the CARES package that was added to the economy to help small business owners and individuals out there that were literally getting stimulus checks in their mailbox. So that was similar to the monetary policy that the Fed took, but this is what our government was able actually able to do under President Trump. Uh, at the same token, while I keep mentioning that the Fed is totally separate, totally independent from the government, all right, presidents have over time, and probably more so now in recent history, 
perhaps had some influence over the Fed, whether it be politely or sometimes not so politely critiquing the Fed chairman or, and the actions that they've taken or not taken. And so one might argue that while they are totally separate entities, they do kind of cross paths with some influence. And so those are the, the four major factors, guys, that I would point to in saying, why is the stock market going up when the economy seems to be going down? We have unprecedented, <laughs> there's that word again, action from the Fed. We have tech stocks just revolutionizing the, the way that we live and do business. We have individual investors diving headfirst into the markets. And then we have President Trump in a re-election year uh, trying to keep some of his economic benchmarks afloat so that he could point to as a success. So when we look at the stock market, we want to remember, yes, economists often point to it as a leading indicator, meaning it's kind of foreshadowing what the future will do in our economy. But that obviously can be a little bit tricky. Uh, think about 2019, the stock market had an outstanding year. So does that mean our economy is going to do great in 2020? Not quite how it played out. Now we're having another very positive year, relatively speaking, in the stock market. So should 2021 be a terrific economic year? Again, we'll see. Is it really a leading indicator of the economy? Uh, time will tell. Sometimes it's proved true. Sometimes it's proved false. Uh, but at the end of the day, guys, the stock market is a combination of thousands, even millions of interrelated factors, many of them financial and many of them emotional. And that's what ultimately changes this ever-adjusting you know, stock price of the overall market. Uh, so it's a very fickle uh, thing to try and figure out, uh, and it doesn't always make sense. I have heard a thousand times in my career from clients and other financial commentators that the market should go up, the market should go down, the market's not supposed to be this high right now, or it's supposed to go down. Excuse me. But the market, guys, it's not supposed to do anything. It will do what it wants to do based on these millions of factors, many of which we can't control. And a lot of the things I mentioned here, the Fed, uh, the government stimulus, <coughs> remember, they are reactions. Okay, so it's not like coronavirus hit. 10 million people lost their job and they took a couple reactionary measures here <clears throat> and the, those 10 million people went back to work the next day. That, of course, is not how it played out. But these actions, what they essentially did is they treated these symptoms and the stock market said thank you and reflected that. But the underlying virus, if you will, or cause was still present. You know, we still have tons of people out of work. We still have GDP very low. Uh, we still have a lot of difficult things that we're working through, not to mention a virus we still don't totally understand. So that's what we have to keep in mind as we look at trying to make sense of these ups and downs. <clears throat> and I think it would be good if I could just close with one quote that I really like from a famed economist, John Maynard Keynes. And what he once said is that the markets can remain irrational longer than you can stay solvent. So if you think they're supposed to go up, they're supposed to go down, I'm just going to hang on, or I'm just going to go in, or I'm just going to pull out, or whatever it may be. Remember, the markets don't have to do anything. 
and they can keep on going up or they could keep on going down. And it doesn't matter what your individual opinion is of it. So with that, I'd like to uh, part ways. Again, I apologize for my voice and a few coughs here. But any questions, <clears throat> please just give us a email at thecadernapodcast at gmail.com. Continue to leave us a review, tell your friends, and we will see you next week, hopefully with a recovered voice and an even more recovered economy. Take care. The Coderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Coderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, Pass, 300 Broad Acres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through Pass, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Nine 973-244-4420. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Coderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Coderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA, SIPC. California Insurance License Number, OK04194. Content of the Coderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M. Coderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Coderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.